wonderful song there. I just love this season as we take a little bit of a, a breather from the norm of the year and we end off just hopefully, Lord willing, just taking some time and spending time with family and friends and reflecting on the Lord and it's a good thing to, uh, to, to do that. But you know, the, often when we think about Christmas, we start to think about the different additions to it more than sometimes a subject of the season and the reason for the season, as we say. And uh, it's good that we still are faithful to come along and, and be part of our gathering together. And so thank you for being faithful this morning. And it seems like a lot has happened since, uh, since I've been away. There's been baptisms. It's been great. And then um, we've had uh, newlyweds come back from their sojourn. And uh, they're, they're back. And, and so we've got uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wells over there. And then we've had an engagement, of course, Rachel and, and Malachi, and so all of those are great things, and, but we're glad to be home and appreciate just, uh, just your, your uh, prayers once again. And uh, my, my kids were, they were uh, over with uh, my in-laws, with Azzy's parents while we were away, and uh, they, they were taking them to, uh, to Faith Baptist over there for, uh, for their time, and uh, Pastor Mansour came and he saw Jaden on the first Sunday they were there, and, and this is Pastor Mansour was relating the story to me, and he's like, Jaden, is that really you? And Jaden said, it is me. It's me, Jaden. <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like I need to say that this morning. It is me. It is Pastor, <laughs> all right? So I feel like I need to introduce myself to some of you. I notice a lot of, uh, a lot of new families as well, and and that's a good thing, but we're looking forward to just rounding off the year well, and uh, even on Friday night, we had a great time for the, I think about an hour we were over at the Launton Showground there, and, and uh, Norm had organized for us to have a stall there to sing carols, and I think we were able to hand out about 100 um, leaflets to come along to our evening tonight, to our carols by the creek, until the heavens opened and we got rained out. I feel like we may have sung the rain in, and uh, we weren't sure, but we, we did our best, us men, of course, the ladies had their fellowship on that night, and so uh, we did our best to just hold the fort, so to speak, as guys doing the singing. But it was a great time, and looking forward to the opportunities that we have as a church and just as, as God's people to be a witness. And that really ought to be our heartbeat during this time as we look around and we see the, the needs out there. We ought to have a heart for those in our community who still need to know the Lord, and that ought to be our desire. But we're going to talk about... Uh, this this morning, just a little, a few lessons from different people, and you know, when we think about the Christmas season, we can often think about the different lights on show. And even last night, I I got a photo from uh, Brother Andrew uh, about the the lights that they had put up. I was uh, supervising Brother Phil and Brother John as they were putting up the Christmas lights, making sure they were nice and straight and all of that. But we had put it up because there's, a, there's, there's an understanding that this is a time to be festive, a time to celebrate, a time to draw attention. And, you know, we decorate that way, and, and sometimes we can drive, and, and there's always that house that goes way over the top with the Christmas lights, right? And they cause traffic on, and it has to be on one of the main streets in your suburb, and and I'm not being scrooged this morning, but sometimes, you know, just, it's, it's too much, it's too bright. But the kids love it. 
and you end up going on a bit of a trail hunting for the nicest lights when you have little kids and you want to you just marvel at, at that, uh, at the lights. And, and yet we understand that right from the beginning, God created lights. He created the, the light if to shine in the evening and then the, the greater light in the day. And he was the one that created light. He said right from the beginning, let there be light. And there's just something about lights that give us great comfort. There's something about lights that draws attention and helps us realize that perhaps something important needs to be paid attention to. And yet, we know biblically that God has also called us to be lights. And whilst the world manufactures lights and now has the technology to to change its colors and to change its displays and to change all manner of ways in which we can, we can see light and appreciate light, there ought to be a mindset in us as God's people to be the light. And we are called to be the light of the world. And really, as we think about that, there's several people in the, in the Christmas canon, and we, we won't specifically talk about the, the, the first Christmas here this morning, but some of the surrounding characters that were lights. Because sometimes when we get a little bit carried away, we can sort of go into the festivities of the season. And yes, there's nothing wrong with enjoying that and nothing wrong with if that's your thing and you love to uh, go on the hunt to see some of the uh, best lights. And by the way, we've got some great lights tonight come along. But you can, you, you can sometimes get carried away and forget that actually in this season, but actually just we as God's people, we're supposed to be lights. And there's some examples here for us on how we ought to be, be a light. And, and we're fascinated by light. It, it gives brightness and sight to otherwise darkened scenery. And really, that was, the, that was the entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ as He came all those years ago into this earth. He came to be a light to the darkness of this world. But then, in, 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 by extension, God has called some to be lights as well, and certainly us to be lights in our day. And so we're going to look at, and we read those verses, and as, as uh, Andrew mentioned, this was a, the prophecy of Zacharias, who was a, a priest in the Levitical priesthood, and, and he and his wife were barren for many years, and then suddenly an angel pronounces that, that Elizabeth was to give birth, and to this one who the Bible declares for us is actually the greatest born among women. It was John the Baptist. And we read here, interestingly, about this child in verse, verse 76. Here in his proclamation, in his prophecy of, of, his, of his son's birth, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways and to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. And so he was to be, to be someone that declares a great message of salvation. And notice what the Bible says, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Now turn to John chapter 1 and, and notice what the Bible says here about who that day spring is. In the beginning, in verse 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. You know who that's speaking about? It's speaking about the Lord Jesus. And so He's saying here that He's going to be one that's going to highlight something. And highlight the greater light. 
And, and through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring, day spring from on high hath visited us, notice verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And, and notice that, that John the Baptist was to be a light that was to guide to the greater light. And you know, one of the ways that we can be a light this Christmas, to be a Christmas light, is really just to be one that reflects light. You know, you understand how it works with the, that, that lesser light of the moon is made to be a giant mirror that reflects the greater light of the sun. And all of us here, we ought to be just like John the Baptist, who really, even in his own calling, even in his own, uh, own greatness, was only great because he chose to decrease so that Christ must, must increase. And you know, at times when we come into this season, this Christmas season, we can get carried away in the consumerism of the time and we can suddenly think about ourselves and magnifying ourselves and magnifying some of the, uh, the wants and some of the desires that we have. And yet, as Christians, God has called us to a different purpose and actually a greater purpose were to be a reflecting light. We're to reflect the great light, the light, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so John was born for that purpose, to be the forerunner of Christ. And, and just like the moon that reflects the glory of the sun, John was to be the one that pointed to that greater, great, greater light. And, and yet, all of us here were called to that. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And, and you know, you, you drive, and, and the, the other, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we were driving again, uh, driving out. We, we decided we'll go in the evening, and so we started to drive out of Brisbane. And you get on top of the, the gateway motorway there, on top of that bridge, and you get to see all of the lights of Brisbane. And you can't hide it, can you? You can't hide all of the, all of the lights of those buildings and all of the lights that are out there. And the Bible's telling us that we are to be a light of the world, just like a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men, in verse 16, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And, and there's meant to be this glorifying, this reflecting, this, this, this deflecting back to the greatness of our God. And, and may we, as God's people during this time, instead of maybe basking in all of the other trappings of today, of this season, may we bask in the light that we are supposed to shed onto others and be that guide. Would we go about and would we just take the time to firstly, as we consider that reflecting light, to be a witness? Again, in, in the verses that we read, he says, For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord, why? To give knowledge of salvation. You know, the, the great... Uh, the great tragedy of the time is that the message of Christmas that's so central to what Christmas is about, a Savior is born, is so often lost. You know, so often Jesus is reduced to that baby in a manger. And, and this world, in, in our society even, has greatly forgotten the, great, the, the, the real reason and the great reason Jesus came. He didn't simply come to be born he came to be born to be the Savior. And so we're supposed to be a witness. We're supposed to be ones that re would reflect the, the great light of Jesus Christ and, and be like John the Baptist who 
in himself was a guide to that light as a light. You know, the Bible says, and we didn't read the verses, but if you go back to John chapter 1, uh, later down, in fact, let's turn there. The Bible's careful to tell us again about this, this character, John the Baptist, and we stop reading in verse 5. Let's pick it up in verse 6. Notice that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And, and so about John the Baptist, the, the Bible t- talks to, to us about the fact that he was a light to shed greater light to the light. He wasn't the light. He was the one to reflect the light. And, and you know, uh, the, the Bible later on will say about John the Baptist that he was a burning and shining light. And that's the thing about our witness at times, and that's the thing about our reflectiveness at times, is that we will look for the shining, but we'll do it without burning. And some of us here need to just get back to just kindling the burning that's inside their heart about the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us here need to get back to just that fervency and that passion of devotion, and we ought to get back to just reflecting on the great light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, if we would just burn, God will take care of the shining. So many times, we just want the shining. We want some attention. And you know, we as a church, we will work, and we ought to. We'll we'll put something on that perhaps a community can come to and, and be helped. But listen, you know, what would be a greater help is if we would have some Christians who will just burn with the Word of God, would burn with passion for God, and will have that kind of devotional life that would just set on fire their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can be a light that reflects the greater light. You know, so many times we look at the world and we're puzzled by the, the darkened situation that it's in and some of the things that are out there that are so harmful and dangerous And yet we won't do our bit to guide the world to the light that it needs. We need to be the light. And so we see, firstly, that if we're going to be Christmas lights, that we're going to need to be a witness. And we're going to need to be the one, just like John the Baptist, who will guide to the light. And so much of what John did really was also a deflection of the light to highlight the light. You know, he, he said, I must decrease so he so he can increase and and there's there's that there's just that understanding that as God's people as we there's less of us there's also going to be more of him but you know we live in a world where it's all about us we live in a world that can sometimes be consumed by self and yet the bible tells us that John who was a deflector he he gave glory a highlighting to God why? Because it was one who was diminishing in self. And really, that's what we ought to be about. We ought to be ones that give glory to God. We ought to be ones that, that in all that we do, we glory in this, that we glory in the Lord. And so we ought to be ones that will be a reflective light. John, in all of his life, pointed people to Jesus, and he decreased while Jesus increased. Notice with me then, look at chapter 2, as we look at another character in this in this Christmas canon and the, what the scriptures give us. 
Look at Luke chapter 2. And notice another character who was a Christmas light. Now Jesus has been brought by his parents to go through the, the, some of the ceremonial things that uh, was required of those who, uh, who followed after the law. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was named Jesus. Later on, after the time of purification, as the, 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 the Old Testament prescribes, the law prescribes, uh, Mary and Joseph go up to Jerusalem to present Jesus on the 40th day. They come with great sacrifices. And notice with me verse 28. Then this, this person named Simeon was there. Who was The Bible says in verse 25, was a just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Again, the Holy Ghost revealed something to him, was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It was something specific that God gave him that, that he wouldn't die without seeing the Lord, the Savior. In verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, notice this, after the custom of the law and that was again referring to the, the sacrifices, the offerings that needed to be given as part of the dedication on the 40th day of, uh, of, of Jesus' life. And notice verse 28, the, then took he him up. So it's Simeon takes up the Lord Jesus in his arms, and then he cries out, he blesses God and says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. He says, you know, I, I've lived my life now. He says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And notice verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, the child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for sign which shall be spoken against. And so this, this interesting Situation. Not, not only did Mary and Joseph come and they followed the law, they, they gave the, the sacrifice of the turtle doves and so forth, and they came to, to dedicate Jesus on his 40th day on this earth as a, as a sacrifice to the Lord, as, a, as one that would be lent back to the Lord. It, it talks a little bit there about the same situation that Hannah had bringing Samuel to the Lord, but he, he takes... He, he, they take him, and, and one of the, the priests there, Simeon, comes and takes him up, and, and he immediately recognizes that this one was not only to be a light to the Jews, he was to be a light to lighten the Gentiles. And what we see here is, secondly, not only was there a reflecting light in our story, but there's a redeeming light. There's a light that wasn't just for certain people, no, this was, a, this was a, a gift. This was a light to lighten the whole world. And, and you know, I think at times that the, the, in, in, our, in, our, in, in our thinking and sometimes in, in our mindset that is so local at times, we forget that actually we have a great opportunity to spread the news of redemption to everyone. That it's not just news for those that we know. It's not just news for those that are local. It's news for everyone. And, and we should not forget that, 
as we go about this Christmas season that the message of the gospel isn't just to be preached here, it's going to be preached everywhere. There, there are those in different fields all around the world who are going through and they're spreading the news of the gospel. I'm thankful that we get an opportunity as a church family to be some sort of encouragement to them. And uh, let, let's, let's remind them that their work is important, that they're not forgotten. That it's, it's the, this church's heart and our, our desire and, and perhaps even our priority to just go and, and remind them that their work is good and it's, it's, it's one that is wonderful for the Lord. And yet Simeon, he, he says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And he says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You know, the, prior to Jesus' entrance into the world, the Bible says that the people walked in darkness. In fact, even in his coming, we read it earlier in John chapter 1, that the light came and the people comprehended it not. They didn't even understand. They didn't even understand. It was just a, an average Sunday. It was, uh, it was just an average silent night as we sung. And no one even really understood, apart from perhaps those shepherds in the field, the impact of that birth. And yet here was Simeon. And interestingly, one who was looking for the consolation of Israel, one who was a devout man, one who had a commitment to God, one who was just looking for the Savior, watching. And you know, all of us here, God's called us to watch until He returns. We're supposed to be watchful as well. But you know what, what drove that watchfulness was the desire for there and the realization that salvation was to be for all. And this salvation and redemption was the reason Jesus came. It ought to be our emphasis actually in our lives. Our conversation ought to be about the gospel. And we're, it ought to be an emphasis that we have. And we ought to understand that this season is actually a time of greater opportunity to shed light on that redemptive light. And Simeon saw this. Even as he was devoted to the Lord and sought for the deliverance of Israel, this is a result of one that was, had his priorities right. This is someone who's, who in the season understood. And, and, and you know, again, he, he wasn't carried away with all of the other activities of the time. He understood what the season was about. It was about the Redeemer. You know, we had the opportunity the last couple of weeks, we, we went to really predominantly Buddhist countries. We went to Singapore, and it's a, it's a, that's not a religious state. It's really uh, a secular state. And, and then we went to Thailand, where it's strongly Buddhist. But you know what was interesting was the amount of Christmas decorations in those countries. It was far better than here in Australia. Man, some of the, some of the, some of the decorations they had, they were, it was just phenomenal. They had, they had, uh, they had, not, not spared any, any money to, to message the whole Christmas feel and the Christmas look. And, and I look at that, and there were times I was, I was, even, I was even surprised that, that there were times where there, there was verses on walls uh, um, from Luke chapter 2 and, and Matthew chapter 2 in, in different places, even in Singapore. And, you know, a, a bit of me was like, wow, there's a little bit of a witness here. These were in shopping centers. These weren't in churches. These were in just in, in the general public there. 
And, and I think about that, and, and we understand that really the reason they do that is for commercial reasons. You know, just like now, you hear Christmas songs blaring, right, from, from November. Some of you, you're deathly against that, right? You're just like, it should start in December, right? And, and, then, and now you're having Christmas sales in October, right? It's just encroaching, but all of it is just for money-making. All of it is just the commercialization of it, and, and we, you know, we don't mind picking up a good sale here or there. We, we don't, we're not that against it. And, and yet, in those countries, even in where it's, it's strongholds of, of really of Satan, even though that little witness of the light, it, it gave opportunity. And it was just, again, a reminder that actually the message needs to be strong. It's about a Savior that saves. And here what we find in Simeon's life is that he, there was a Redeemer recognized. He had seen the salvation in verse 30. And what he was meaning was from then on, the search for a Redeemer was over. No one had to wonder anymore what, who it was and which way and how anyone can have their sins forgiven and redeemed. It was no longer a marvel to those who were in that world and for us today, who it was that we had to go through to, to know that we're saved, to know that our sins are forgiven. No, the, a Redeemer was recognized. And everyone just needed to look to the light of salvation that is found in Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've been, you've been groping in the darkness trying to figure out a way in which you can get a hold of God. Maybe the, the guilt of your sin has, and the consequences of that has pounded away at you and maybe the heaviness of that has come to the fore during this time. And let me just remind you and let me just tell you that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. The, the, the Savior's name isn't Good Shepherd Baptist Church. The name of the Savior isn't Good Works. The name of the Savior isn't charitable causes. No, the name of the Savior is the, the only name that saves, and that's the name Jesus. And He's the one that we preach about. And He's the redeeming light. And I want to tell you that, uh, that, that if you uh, are wandering, if you are groping around just trying to figure out how it is that your, your sin can be taken away, I want to tell you that there's only one way, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's come. We, we've re recognized the Redeemer. And there needs to be, though, those who will proclaim and again be a witness. And then there was a redemption realized because the Bible says, before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And it's this redemption brought by this Redeemer is for all. You know, it wasn't exclusively in the domain of the nation of Israel. You know, Israel had its place. And I will tell you, will again one day. And through Israel, Jesus was given, and it was for their glory that that was, that was given. But, but notice here that specifically says it's, he's a light to lighten the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles are? Anyone who is non-Jewish. You know who that includes? All of us. All of those who in that time were outside of, of physical Israel, 
all of those who weren't born in that in that lineage, in that in that um, in that uh, in that heritage, and all of us who are in that line that was outside of that is included. And you know, sometimes we can be a little bit picky about who we give the gospel to. We can sometimes prejudge, oh, that person, probably not. I think of my uh, a pastor I, I was under for years. When we first came to Australia, we got the opportunity to meet uh, Keith Piper. Anyone know who Keith Piper is? Uh, Keith Piper is a pastor in, in uh, North, uh, North Parramatta, a suburb in Sydney. But he's been there for many years. And I remember uh, one particular man he, he witnessed, but uh, Pastor Piper was just a, he was a witnessing machine. He still is, by the way, but he just, he would witness to anyone. I remember him coming back after an hour or so of, of outreach and he was telling a story about how he sat down with, with a bunch of Wiccans, those who were practicing witchcraft. And he sat down and he, he spoke to them about the gospel and he was a courageous man. But I remember a particular one that, that stands out. There was a, a time he and his family were out and they got back and they found that their house was broken into. Things were, were, were missing, the, the window had been shattered and, and someone had, had gone into the, their house and just taken, you know, the things that, they, that were valuable. And obviously that's disconcerting, obviously something that no one wants to happen. And to Pastor Piper's credit, he, uh, he called the police. <laughs> and he called the police and reported it and found out, you know, the, 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 the police did their investigations and they, f they found this man. They arrested him, and he got put in prison. But, you know, that's not the end of the story. Pastor Piper, what he did was he called, he asked where this man was, and he visited him in jail. And he sat there for a couple of hours and led this man to the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, this man, he got out after a little while. He paid the penalty. He got out, and, and this man, he became... A missionary. He got, he got saved. Pastor Piper discipled him. And then he got called to the mission field. He got married. Has, and he was able to start a church in New Zealand. And, uh, and you, you think about that. And, you know, sometimes when we're done wrong to, and, you know, the, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't have the, the best relationship, did they? There was a bit of a, there was a, bit of a divide there, a there, there, was, there was just that animosity that they had. And yet, the, the Bible is careful to tell us that this redeeming light was a light to lighten the Gentiles. That, that there was no one that this gospel and this light couldn't reach. And it saves to the uttermost. And there's probably someone that you're thinking about right now that you think it's impossible for this person to get saved. And maybe one of your prayers this Christmas ought to be that, they, that the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ can get just shed abroad in that heart because the gospel can reach anyone. Hey, listen, we, we read about the Apostle Paul and read all of his letters. He was the chiefest of sinners. You know why? Because he was a persecutor of the church. In fact, when he got saved, no one even believed he was saved. No one, no, they thought it was a ruse. So somehow they can, he can get into the churches. But listen, he, he genuinely got saved. And, and, and through him, the, the gospel was spread 
through all of us Gentiles. And that, that, that light was a redeeming light for all. It might be that we walk around during this time and we have those that we think, hey, they could get saved, hey, they could. But listen, the, the gospel is powerful enough to save to the uttermost. Who is it that you're thinking about this morning that you're, you're thinking, That's, they're impossible? That they would be the last person on earth before they could get saved. Now, I challenge you to believe in the power of the gospel. I challenge you this morning to, to get praying again and get witnessing again and get believing again in the fact that the, the Redeemer has been found and the Redeemer has willingly laid down his life and that we have a redeeming light. But then lastly, really quickly, look at Luke chapter 2 and, and another, another Christmas light. Look at verse 36. So just immediately after this, Simeon blesses the, the Mary and Joseph, blesses the, the child Jesus, recognizes him to be the Redeemer. And in the vicinity, verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asa. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Notice what, what occurred here. And, and Anna, the Bible says she's a prophetess. To what extent, we don't know. Perhaps to the extent that she understood who Jesus truly was and then proclaimed that. A prophet really is just someone who not only foretells, but also just a, a for, someone who just proclaims the, the, the word of God, what God says. And so this, this one, Anna, the prophetess, the Bible calls her, proclaims and understands, but she was one who had her own challenges. She was one who was a widow, and if you again understand the culture of that day, a widow was, a, was the one that was the, the, at the lowest as far as socioeconomically, they were the ones who had no other resources. They were the ones who uh, had no other means. And so generally speaking, they were the ones that, that were the poorest and the ones that had the greatest struggles. And she was that for many, many years. She had gone through her, now she's in her old age. And now she was just there at the temple. And the Bible's, uh, again, careful to tell us that she was one who served God, though, with fastings and prayers night and day, you know, who... who Anna was, she was not only someone who had personal challenges, she was one who just had a genuine worship. And, and you know, she had a genuine worship enough that she could recognize Jesus and recognize the importance of Jesus. And what we see here is that immediately as she sees Jesus, is she gives thanks. And, you know, there's just something that tells about a person when, when they go through uh, the, the greatest of challenges in their lives, and yet still what comes out of their heart is rejoicing. And there's, there's someone there who has worship as central to their nature and their character, someone who, 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 who worships like Anna, who, who served God through fastings and prayer night and day. And, and here she was in this, this time in her life, and she sees 
and then gives thanks. And then, so the last thing I want to want you to notice as, as we think about Christmas lights, I hope that we would be that, we would be one that reflects, the one that, that points to the Redeemer. But then it was just simply this, she gave thanks. She was just a rejoicing one. She was someone who knew how to rejoice despite the challenges. She was one who knew to rejoice despite the fact that she seemed to be in a situation that was irreversible. And again, it's interesting that those whose light is one of rejoicing is so often the one that's worshipping. So often one that is just true in their devotion, seeking the Lord fervently in private. And his rejoicing is something that we can do really simply, just as a simple witness. You know, I think sometimes we can, again, and I'm not saying be fake, but sometimes we can, we can come to the end of the year and, and have all of the, the pressures and all of the disappointments of the year weigh heavily on our hearts. And that's real, isn't it? There, there are those who during the Christmas season are most heavy. There just seem to be, it just seems like the, the end of the year is weighing on them and nothing seems to have gone right that year. And maybe you've had one of those years, maybe you haven't. But, but there's going to be times where, where the, the reality of our situation can so overwhelm us that we forget about the reasons to rejoice. And there are reasons to rejoice. There's reasons to rejoice today. And there's reasons to just think about and, and to reflect on and then uh, allow then to allow some light into our own hearts so that we can shed some light into the others into others' lives. And, and her rejoicing, I want to say, came despite of her circumstance. You know what she was? She was grounded in, in the truth that she discovered. She had discovered Jesus and she had seen him and so all she could do was give thanks. And it's often... It's when we're disappointed, when we most, here she at times draw away and even question God. And yet here she was with joyfulness abounding at the discovery of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that she was of the family of Fenuel, she was of the tribe of Asher. You know, that, that tribe was known out of the 12 as the happy tribe. You know, and, and no doubt, uh, perhaps her, her upbringing prepared her to rejoice and dis, despite her challenges and and I want to say, you know, one of the things, a great way to build resilience in our children is to just demonstrate rejoicing through trial. And, and you know, one of the things that we're recognizing as we work with, uh, with the next generation is just that building up of resilience. And yet so many times that is learned, it's better caught than taught. And so one of the things that I think, when I think of Anna, and again, the Bible was specific. She was, she was in the tribe of Asher. Perhaps her upbringing allowed her to just be grounded in that truth that she discovered. It's so important that as, as the confusion of the season comes about and we look around and, and the, the children that, that, uh, that we have encounter different things around the world and around the things that they see about Christmas, that we ground them on the reality of what Christmas is all about and teach them and read with them the scriptures and ground them on the reasons to rejoice each day. But her rejoicing came through in her thankfulness. And, you know, in that instant, the Bible says she gave thanks. And, and how much does it take to make you grateful? You know, are you 
thankful. Because in that instant, she gave thanks. Why? Because she saw Christ. And those of us who have Christ living in us, we have great reason to give thanks. And yes, there's times where our life doesn't quite line up. And yes, there's times where there are heavy burdens to bear. And yes, there are times where we in our, in our brokenness can come to the Lord, but we can come to the Lord. And we have in us the greatest treasure and the greatest gift. And what a great light Anna had. You know, one of the main differences you and I can make is just simply to be cheerful <laughs> this Christmas. Now, don't let the world and don't let the circumstances of your life rob you from saying Merry Christmas. Don't, don't let the things that can sometimes erode our spirit and erode our attitude, don't let that rob us of the reality of who Christ is, is in our lives. And what a great light Anna had. And Christmas should be about this. It's about being thankful for God's willingness to come and be born to this world to be a Savior. I love the, the verse in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. You know, some of us here, it's going to take the right gift to get us thankful this Christmas. But you know what? The best gift has already come. It's the gift of Christ. It's the gift, the gift of His salvation given unto us. And we remember all the gifts that God has given us through the redemption He afforded us. And I want to tell you that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And so this morning, that's a great light. If we would just be ones that rejoice, and I'll just be honest with you, I love Christmas lights. But you are to be a bright light this Christmas. As a Christian, we are to be a reflective light, highlighting all that Jesus is. We ought also to be one that points to that redeeming light, one that speaks of the salvation of the, of the world through Jesus. And we ought to be a rejoicing light, thanking God all for His marvelous gifts and drawing those around us to the real reason for Christmas. Would you be a Christmas light? Would you be one that just goes around and, and, and spreads good cheer, not just for the sake of it, not because you're on holiday, but because we have a true Savior and we have a, a great message of hope to share. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. And Lord, I know that everyone here can have mixed feelings of the end of the year. And yet, Lord, the, the truth remains. And the truth is unmoved. And the truth is, Lord, we have much to, to speak about that's true and right. And we have much, Lord, to rejoice in. We have much, Lord, to, to share to those around us. I pray, dear God, that you would help us to be lights, Lord, this Christmas. I pray, Lord God, that you would just help us to just be ready, Lord, in our lives to be that, that light for you and that, Lord, we might glorify you in this, in this part of the year and then, Father, as we look to the next year, that we would continue on, just with great passion and great fervency, Lord God, about the things of you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're just going to have a time of, of invitation.